This is IFO Podcast Series, the official podcast from IFO Show, the one and only talk show about every IELTS that helps you to reach your dream. Hey everyone, my name is Wing Fivan. I have been working internationally for the past 20 years, so I consider myself a global citizen. I've been working, living in over 100 countries all over the world. When I'm meeting you all, um, I will be able to share my personal story as, as well as be able to um, show you a few things that could be done uh, for us together to be global citizens and to bring Vietnam into the eyes of the global world. Welcome. Thanks so much for coming, Tipiven. I've been able to see you a lot, you know, on, online on Facebook um, and also with your books. Um, and today's topic is on global citizenship. And you first transitioned outside of Vietnam in 1998. So 1998 until 2019. How different is your view of the world now as compared to your view of the world in 1998? Wow, okay. I think 20 years ago I was basically so afraid of what's out there. Um, I don't know what the word has for me. I don't know what the word means. I have no idea um, what's going on outside of Vietnam. Um, 20 years later, I have to say that there's nothing scary out there. We have the potential and we have the capacity um, to be global citizens um, basically now. And we don't have to wait until 20 years later. Yeah. You know, what I think is really interesting, and I think we're such a lucky generation in the sense that we are consuming the world every day, right? You know, on YouTube, on Facebook. Do you think that, you know, there are certain things about v the Vietnamese youths um, that will make them more afraid uh, compared to, let's say, the youths from, let's say, Singapore, or Hong Kong, or um, America when they mm. go out in the world? I think there are three things that sort of affect how we see the, the world and how we basically see ourselves versus the world. First of all, because we're Asian. And you know, genetically, we um, are less developed um, than, than the West. And economically, we are less developed. So um, for some reason, we feel that we are inferior. The second is the exposure. I mean, if you travel a lot, and you go out there, and you meet people, and you have the chance of your life to actually do different things, um, interact with different people, you find out that you know it's not that scary. We actually we're okay. We're pretty cool. And I think the last is that um, we haven't got an, an identity of ourselves because to be able to interact, to be able to integrate, to be able to be confident about yourself, first of all, you have to be confident with yourself first. You have to know yourself first. And you have to know the limitless you know, capacity that you have. You mentioned this term um, called the identity of the young generation. And it actually makes me remember, or it reminds me of something that I'm seeing quite a lot here in our society, which is mental health. A lot of the times mental health you know, is disguised in this idea of, I don't know what I want, or you know, I have no idea who I am, mm. right? And you know, I'm not happy. Mm. Um, do you think that is endemic? to our society at this point in time? And, does it, and, and are, are we the same as other countries? Does it prevent us from doing further things in the world? I think it's a generational, um, generational thing. Um, and it's happening among the youth in various countries and not just in Vietnam. However, um, in Vietnam, we have a situation where we actually don't live our life the way we want it to be. 
Um, you know, we, 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 we were born, we grew up, um, our parents told us what to do, um, which school to go to, how to think, who to marry. I mean, you know, you, you constantly have been told what to do with your life, and therefore you're living somebody else's life. So identity is not about you not knowing yourself, it's about you submitting to the fact that you have to live and you have to follow um, what you have been told to be able to live a life um, that seems to be a good life. Now, how did you break out of what your oh, parents had you for you? You don't want to know. Or society <laughs> had for you? Oh, I want to know now. <laughs> I think I have always been considered the black sheep of the family because my, my family is a very much a teacher family. And I'm the only one who says, I'm not going to be a teacher and I'm not going to you know, do exactly what you told me to do because I don't feel like I'm living. I'm feeling like, you know, I'm just like a robot and following orders. Um, I think you mentioned something that I, I identify with very well. Um, I do think that it's, a, it's good to be a little bit rebellious. You know, when we grow up, grow up in our family, especially a Vietnamese or an Asian family, uh, a lot of the times our thinking and our personality is shaped by our family. And for those that are able to kind of like get out of that, then they're able to find themselves um, a little bit better. I'm not saying that um, we have to totally rebel and, and not following any values. We have great values in Asia and in Vietnam. For example, be kind to people around us. Stuff like that um, are the values that we should keep. But at the same time, to be, to be able to integrate into the new world and to be a, able to be a global citizen, um, we need to experiment. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would use that word not to rebel, but to experiment chunks of lives or experiences that we've never actually got a chance to, to go through before in our lives. Right. Um, a lot of people follow your Facebook page, people <laughs> read your posts, people read your books. How do you think about the way people interact with you um, on these different social media mediums, um, especially the youths? Mm. Yeah. I would say there are different types of uh, interaction. I don't know something, therefore I'm going to ask you. Mm. And I'm going to ask you now, even though I haven't actually done any research about it. <laughs> so it's like, okay, we've got social media and it's so easy to con contact somebody. So I'm just going to, you know, flip the question over for that person to, to answer. That's laziness. Mm -hmm. And I normally answer saying, you know, maybe you should do some research first and come back to me about what you think and then we can have a conversation. There's another type which is I read a post about um, a certain topic, for example, mental health, um, loneliness, and um, it's so relevant to me and uh, it's sort of helping me to um, overcome myself and open myself more to the world, so thank you very much. And then there are a lot more questions to the topic that I would like to ask. So I love that type of, of interaction. Um, the third type would be um, I don't know what you're talking about, but something is happening and something shocking is happening. So I'm going to just stop and, you know, and maybe think about it. And then, you know, I would like to send you more questions in the future if that's possible. And there are a lot of that sort of interactions where I'm not aware that there's something like this that's going on. And, and um, to learn it through your posts is, is shocking and I need to you know, get myself through the process first and understand what you're talking about before I can ask questions. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of our youths are now using the internet um, as the answer for, for a lot of their, um, their questions, right? You know, sometimes they're using Google, sometimes they go on Facebook, they ask people yes. on Facebook. Um, 
Do you think that's a sustainable way of communicating and a sustainable way of research and finding information? I have nothing against social media. I love social media and I use it as a medium for me to um, keep my communication with the world and the society and the youth. Um, however, I think that we overuse technology um, to a point where I will have messages sent to me saying, I'm sending this message, I don't know if you're going to read it, but I'm sending it because I have nobody to talk to. I'm asking myself and asking everyone around what's going on. So you have 5,000 friends and maybe 20,000 friends on Facebook and you have access to all types of medium and you know you, you have people around you but you have not one person to talk to. Is there something wrong about it? Something is happening that's not so right. Okay, so I think what we, we face today is that we are losing humanity. We're, we're losing the human touch. We're actually relying on, we're talking to AI, we're talking to robots. But that's what's happening in society at the moment. It's just scary. It's super scary. So I think, I think it's time for us to actually come back and say, look, I'm human. So the media technology is just another way for me to be able to contact people, to be, to be, to be uh, able to interact with people. But there are omni-channel ways of communication. What does your family say? I'm, I'm very curious to know what your family says to, to some of these things that you're sharing and some of these thoughts that you're, that you're thinking about. And especially, what, what would your daughter say to all of this? I think at the beginning, at the early teenage um, years, my daughter, kind of like any other teenager in, in, in any country, would shut down and go, okay, rule number one, don't talk to me. Rule number two, look at rule number one. <laughs> you have to accept it. I love human contact. I make time. Every year I would spend around a month and a half traveling with my daughter around the world um, so that she can get to see more of the world and interact with pe different people. I actually talked to my daughter about taboo topics that uh, Vietnamese parents find uh, difficult to talk to, um, like romance, like love, like sex, mm. especially sex. I mean, come on, the young people want to know about it and it's very natural, but not a lot of parents in Vietnam would like to talk about it and they keep it a taboo and therefore the, the kids do not know how, how to talk about it, who to talk to, and they go and talk to a machine. Then obviously parents have to change our approach to be able to then um, communicate with the, the young generation. That's wonderful. Um, I'd love to see what our audience have. Um, our audience also contains people from the millennial generation, you know, Z generation, as well as some of the Y generation people. <laughs> so, guys, what questions do you have? Next year, I have a chance of studying abroad mm -hmm. in Australia. So, I have a question for you. When you moved to Australia, how did you? Um, adapt to the lifestyle there, and how do you lead an independent life by yourself? Hmm. Thank you. First of all, before I go abroad, um, I would, based on my experience of not preparing so well and getting so shocked, I would think that you have every opportunity that you could today to research about Australia. I mean, a lot of research would give you the comfort um, as much as possible, because when I left Vietnam for Australia, I didn't do any research, so I was so shocked. <laughs> so that's a learning that you could learn. Um, I think secondly, um, to be independent, I think it's a mindset. You don't have to wait until you go to Australia to be independent. You have to be independent today. 
I mean, in everything that you do, in the way you think, in the way you set, all of that set, it does take an open mind to go to a new place and just um, have fun and experience life as it is, experience Australia as it is. Um, and if you have an open mind, then you will be able to interact with a lot of people, especially local people, and learn a lot um, about how they think, how they work, how they live. Um, I think that experience is more um, important than anything that you could learn in school. Being a youngster, I really want to be more dynamic. Mm. I want to stay, stay confident and you know express myself. Mm. Uh, but actually, I am an introvert, mm. and yeah, sometimes I feel like something holds me back, mm. and I just end up um, staying silent. So, what is the first, the very first step? Mm. Uh, what should I think in my mind mm. uh, to break that fear? Mm. Mm. That's a great question. Fear is, is my favorite subject. So first of all, you don't have a problem. You're a great person to start with. Um, secondly, to express yourself to the world, I think um, the best thing to do is, is um, use whatever you're most comfortable with. For example, for me, it's music. I love music, so I connect with people through music. Um, so find something that you, you are really passionate about and you have a lot of knowledge about, and then connect with people in that same sphere um, then you have a lot to share. And when you have a lot to share, that will open you up. All right, thank you, audience, for your questions, and thank you, Chief Fiven, for your answers. Now, we're going to move on to the IELTS Face-Off Challenge, where, you know, you're going to get more questions <laughs> and that are quite interesting. All right, I have a couple of questions for you in this IELTS Face-Off Challenge, and these are going to be questions that I've seen personally in my own life, um, and I'm sure a lot of our audience might have seen in their life and they are difficult situations. Okay, All right. now you scare me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Chifivan, how would you react in this situation? You're on a flight, and suddenly um, you get a foot behind, behind your neck. What would you do in this situation? Would you turn back and tell them to put down their foot? If so, how would you do it? Or would you make yourself uncomfortable and sit there for the whole flight with the foot right next to you? In actual fact, I've got a lot of foot in my life um, <laughs> behind my back on, on, on flights around the world. So I don't want to create situations where I have to you know, argue with the person behind me. So normally I would take the air hostess um, or the stewardess and tell them that, you know, that's very uncomfortable and ask them to help to talk to the other person. And that's probably the best way. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so, so you wouldn't tickle the foot with, with the blanket? I would love to do that. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. All right. So, so thank you for the first situation. Now, the, first, the second question is um, your loved one is suffering from, from mental health. And, and, you know, they're not officially diagnosed. And, you know, you see symptoms that might be a little bit worrying. Um, how do you support them? Um, and what would you tell them? I think the situation of mental health is when people are afraid to talk about it um, and think that it may be too troublesome for other people to know about. I would always proactively um, get them out of their normal situation, their normal environment, for example, home or work or whatever. Probably take them somewhere where it's among nature, when it's easier for you to open up and, um, and just ask them. Sometimes people are just waiting for somebody to come and ask them what's going on. Um, just one very simple question will open people up and for them to be, to be able to share. And depending on what they share, um, you will be able to either be there and talk to them or in some situations you will need to 
ask them or, or help them to, to meet with a mental health expert or a doctor because it's not easy to cure mental health. It has to be both. It has to be the support of the family and the loved ones around you, but also um, medically. Thank you, thank you. I think that's very helpful to a lot of people out here. And mental health is, I think it's, a, it's definitely, as you said, a long journey. Um, and and um, it's, it's important for people to recognize it very, very early on. And on get that note, I mean, I would recommend and I would love everyone to look around you and notice people a bit more. We seem to be, you know, uh, fixing our eyes on, on the devices too much. Um, we watch every um, comment on Facebook. We read anything that people post online, but we can't even see, you know, a drop of tears from somebody's eyes sitting next to you. And that is so wrong about this word. Thank you very, very much for being on the show. <laughs> And uh, hopefully we'll get you back um, for, for other parts of your advice, other parts of you know, your, your life, because you do many, many, many things and you put on <laughs> many hats in this society. But thank you so much for sharing with us uh, today on being a global citizen and being a, an emotionally intelligent global citizen. Thank you very much for having me. This is IFO Podcast. You can follow Ivo on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, or Twitter. If you haven't followed it yet, go to Spotify and follow. Thank you for listening.